Good morning, everyone. Really glad you're here as we come back in and find our seats. Let's take a moment to bring ourselves present to the Holy Spirit, present to each other, present to God's Word. And as I read these words and the images flash on the screen, as I read, let us join our hearts and our minds and our spirit to Mary's response to the Annunciation that Jesus was coming, the Messiah was be born. Our souls exalt the Lord, and our spirits have begun to rejoice in God our Savior, because He has looked upon the humble state of His servants. He who is mighty has done great things, and from generation to generation He is merciful to those who fear Him. He has demonstrated power with His arm. He has scattered those whose pride wells up from sheer arrogance of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up those of lowly position. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Again, welcome everyone to Grace Church this morning. And I'd like to especially welcome those who are watching on Facebook Live, those who are listening to podcast. Um, my wife and I, Jane, we traveled for the past three weeks and in various places, it was really astonishing the number of people who said, oh yeah, we listen to the podcast. Oh yeah, we watch on Facebook Live. And so it was a, it was a real encouragement. And I, help, I think it helps us understand that this is not just us here, but we are part of something larger as we worship. We're part of something bigger that is going on. So welcome if you're listening in Germany or Finland or Oregon or wherever you're listening. We're glad you're with us this morning. I'd also like to thank Linda and Norma and Ryan and everyone who works on the teaching team while we were gone. Just outstanding job. It was, it was such an encouragement as we traveled to see things done so well with that. <clears throat> Most of you who know me know that I'm not the best when it comes to the memory department. Like for a number of reasons, my, my memory is pretty shady. I've, I've gotten by in my life because I can kind of play with it. I can kind of put on a good face and nod my head like when people are talking about things until I can figure out by context what's really going on. Anybody else like that? Like, like you've just gotten good at, yeah, nodding your head and going along with it. And did you ever play that matching game when you were a kid, you know, you'd open a door and then you'd have to close it and then you open another one and you'd have to bring them together with that, right? And if you didn't play that as a kid, you might be one of the 93 million people who daily play Candy Crush. And I know no one will admit that here, right? None of us would do that. It's all the other people that play those games. You know that company's worth $7.1 billion that does a matching game that you play on your phone. And the reason you do it, though, the science behind it is you get a little dopamine rush every time you play that. It's actually a physiological response 
you get in matching things. Our text this week, it's an interesting text, and as I read it, and as I read the commentaries, and as I listened to people talk about it, what I started to hear was that primarily people have approached this text very similar to a matching game. They, they read the words of Isaiah, they read the words of the prophet in the Old Testament, and then as they scan into the New Testament and they find Jesus, they're like, oh, wait, I see it. I made the match. There it is. Which we need to do. That, that is a legitimate way to understand this. Jesus does line up. He does mirror the prophecies that Isaiah and the other prophets made. But there's so much more. Because if we just stop at making this an academic matching exercise, we miss what I believe is the real meaning of the passage. So pray with me as we dig into this week's text. And Jesus, yes, you fulfill the prophecy. Jesus, yes, you are the one that was spoken of in the words. But show us this morning, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to love and respond, what that means. What that means for us, what that's supposed to do in us, for us, and through us as individuals and as a church, your body. Holy Spirit, give us fresh understanding into this ancient text. We ask in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. This week we're going to see when God's servant shows up, the kingdom breaks out with justice, healing, and revelation. That we come to know God by knowing who God chooses and what is important to God. How we are formed and sustained by our hope in the promise of God and build on our experiences with God. And how we make God known by responding to God's servant and acting in accordance with his character. As I said earlier, we often look back at the prophecy and we look back at this text in Isaiah 42 that we're going to look at. And we think of the servant song. It's, it's literally called the servant's song with that. And we see it as one of the prophecies that foretells, prepares the way for Jesus. And then as we get into the Advent and we read Matthew and Mark and Luke and the Gospels, we see that Jesus is fulfilling. He's matching all those prophecies. But there's something more going on here. And let's see if we can see that. Starting with Isaiah 42, verse 1. Here is my servant, whom I support, my chosen one, in whom I take pleasure. I have placed my spirit on him. He will make just decrees for the nations. <clears throat> he will not cry out or shout. He will not publicize himself in the streets. So, let's pause for a minute. The servant song. Who is the servant that is being spoken of here? Well, when Isaiah was writing this, he may have had 
an image of the Messiah. He may have had an image of a king. He may have had a, an image of a military leader in some way. But he was, the Spirit of the Lord was on him and was forming his imagination that somebody was going to come and they were going to do things very differently. Right? We expect grand announcements. We expect big, promoted experiences. But we see this servant is going to do this very differently with that. We also come to understand that while, yes, this is a specific person that they are looking at, that that is going to extend beyond that person to the people, the group, who follow the person. So when we see servant, and when we think of servant here, we start with Jesus, but we don't end with Jesus. What we see is that it spreads out to those who identify with, who follow, and are claimed by Jesus. And we see that this is going to mean the outbreaking of justice. The, the Hebrew word is mishpat here. And again, like a lot of Hebrew words, it's very hard to combine, to, to do a direct translation from one Hebrew word to one English word. Justice is used here, but, but it's more than justice. This idea of what is going to break out that the, that the servant is going to inaugurate, that the servant is going to do, is the idea, we would say it's more like justice and peace, or justice and equity. Um, it's the idea of, of mishpat and shalom. Or this idea that we use here of God's kingdom as people and things the way God intends. Y'all, this is not just a temporary deliverance that's being spoken of. When we hear about the servant here, when we hear about this prophecy, we're not talking about just relief. We're talking about a wholesale reimagining reworking, redeeming of how things work, of who we are, how we relate to one another, how things work. Everything is redone through the arrival of this servant. Well, let's continue. A crushed reed he will not break. A dim wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully make just decrees. He will not grow dim or be crushed before establishing justice on the earth. The coastlands will wait in anticipations for his degrees, for his decrees. We see in this that, like I said, this is, this is Jesus, but this also extends to Jesus' followers, to us. And we see the compassion that is extended towards us. We are not called and then left alone. We are not pawns sacrificed by a cold and calculating deity. God knows us. God knows what it's like to be us. You see, this, this inbreaking of the kingdom, this establishing of justice, this permeating of shalom in our society is something that first has to be imagined and then it has to be modeled. It's not something that we just get theoretically. It's not something that we just get through words. We get it through experience with that. And we have the promise here of God working through the people as that works its way out. 
This is what the true God, the Lord says, the one who created the sky and stretched it out, the one who fashioned the earth and everything that lives on it, the one who gives breath to the people on it and life to those who live on it. I, the Lord, officially commission you. I take hold of your hand. I protect you and make you a covenant mediator for people and a light to the nations to open blind eyes, to release prisoners from dungeons to those who live in darkness from prisons. This calling of the servant is to be extended through us. The the word here is clear. The intention is clear. That this is something that starts with the servant and goes through the servants. Through us. Through the church. Through the ones who are called according to God's purpose through the ones who have been redeemed and brought out of darkness. We are to be healed and we are to be healers. We are to be set free and then we are to set others free. It does not stop with the servant and it does not stop with us. But it works through. It's crucial to our understanding of the text Yes, it starts, it's sustained and ultimately fulfilled by Jesus, but we are part of that fulfillment. Now, before we get anybody gets the wrong idea that this becomes about us, the next verse, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not share my glory with anyone else or praise do me with idols. Look, my earlier predictive oracles have come to pass. Now I announce new events before they begin to occur I reveal them to you. There is no room for boasting on our part, but there is much room for joy. I confessed earlier to not having the best memory. Um, those of you who know me also, I'm, I'm deaf in this ear. And so, especially in a room where there's a lot of conversation going on or a lot of noise, I have a very difficult time hearing things. And honestly, studies have shown that if you're in a room, you're like at a party or you're in a crowd, that the murmur of background becomes indistinguishable. It just becomes a low-level hum until what? Does anybody know? You hear your name. Exactly. Like you can be in a room and just hear... It's not even indistinguishable words, and then someone will say, Tim. And it may be across the room in a different conversation, and you'll, you will pick out your name when it's heard. I think we honestly have the reverse experience with this passage. I think we... we we have a 180-degree different experience when we come across passages like in, this, in the Bible. Is that it is literally very clear, hey, this is you. This, this text is talking about you. There's no background noise. There's no conversation going on. This is directed at us. And we don't hear it. We don't hear it. And, and I don't know if it goes back to what I said at the first about the kind of the matching. 
is that we've approached this in a way like an academic exercise. We've kind of approached this as, a, as something to be deciphered. We've looked at the text as, as something to be done kind of like homework, like, hey, let's match it up, let's fill in the right answers, let's bubble in all the right letters on the exam. And we fail to hear our name. And this is a tremendous tragedy when we don't hear our name, when we don't hear our calling. Because yes, this passage was written to point towards Jesus, but it was also given to us to form our imaginations. These descriptions, and I, and I want to encourage you as you go through the learning guide this week, looking at the, at the questions that have been done there, looking at the reflections. These things that are said about Jesus, about the servant, are to point us towards Jesus, but they are also to give form to our imaginations and to our affections. These prophecies, these descriptions are not just meant to give us information about someone else. They are to become the words that describe us. Not that we're the Messiah, not that we become Savior in any way, but that we reflect that Savior, that we reflect that Messiah. You see, we can't become something we can't see or imagine. So Jesus goes first, as Jesus always does. Jesus always goes first. He always shows the way. He's always out front. But where are we? Are we following? Are we likewise Adopting that imagination, are we likewise adopting that way of thinking that if justice is what concerns Jesus, is that what concerns us? If peace is what Jesus was about, is that, is that what we're about? If taking care of the sick, the hungry, the homeless, the refugee, if that's what Jesus is about, is that what I'm about? Because I believe that that is why these words were written in addition to pointing to Jesus is to form our imagination, to form our affections, to form our story with this. And because of that, we can look at the multiple opportunities that we're given to serve at recess, to work with Canopy, to support the work of, that Dave and Liz are doing, to give to Lysource, to fill this tree with the presence for the family that is starting over, which y'all have done so well this week. But not just those missional opportunities that were given through Bethany and through the life source and the different things, but also everything about us, where we work, 
where we go to school, our classrooms, our coffee shops, our kitchens, our car rides and carpools. It should form everything about us. This imagination that was said about the servants, that's what it means to have a servant-formed imagination. Not one that is just merely a recipient, but someone who is participating in the doing of that. And as we lit the joy candle... It is important to recognize, as we've said many times here, that while we call this the servant's song, and how Jesus does over and over again present following Jesus as a type of service, it is not, we are not slaves. This is not have to. God is not looking for soldiers and slaves as much as daughters and sons. We do this with joy. Y'all, we get to do this. Let that sink in for a minute. This is not another obligation. This is not another kill joy obligation. This is a get to. This is a joyful opportunity that we, with all our mess, with all our limitation, are invited to participate in the things that God is passionate about. What else do you want to do? What else do you want to give your first, your best, your most to? The kingdom of God is here. That was the foundation of the message of Jesus. And it is to be the the foundational message of us as Grace Church and of the church of the whole, that the kingdom of God is here. Be glad. Rejoice. Rejoice. We welcome with joy the servant, the Messiah, not only who matches the prophecy, not only who matches the prophecy, but gives us an imagination of how to live our lives with that. Norma gave a definition of Advent a couple of weeks ago. Linda echoed it as she taught last week. Advent is a time to examine. It is a time to reflect. In fact, Norma went on to say, it is time to remember the past. It is a time to recognize what is happening in the present. And it is a time to reframe the future. Y'all, this text, these words, this Savior, give us the power to do that. And we can do that with joy. Ask Alex and the worship team to come up as we transition now. He mentioned earlier we have the the Scrabble tiles back there to, to make words of joy as we reflect and come up for communion. We take communion to proclaim the mystery of Christ come, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, and Christ coming again. We take it with joy. All who are here seeking Jesus this morning are welcome at this table 
to come up. We also take an offering, and especially at this time of year, y'all, we only got a couple Sundays left with the way the system goes in the United States. Now is the time for the offerings. We do that as a demonstration that none of us is without something to give, and also none of us are without need. The offering is our way of sharing. It is responding to what has been given to us and who has been given to us. So we invite you to participate in that. It's also time to reflect what the Spirit is teaching. You don't just take it because I've got the microphone, but you take it and you reflect on it now and through the week. And it is also time to worship with joy. Let joy permeate your songs this morning that we have been invited to participate, to follow the model of the Messiah, the servant, the King. Thank you for being here this morning.